Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon. It is Friday, May 4th. This is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group, and I am excited to introduce Carrie Wilkerson. Carrie is the author of a book called The Barefoot Executive. Carrie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, well, terrific. Carrie, can you give us a little thumbnail uh, about yourself before you wrote this book? I'm always interested in how people uh, go from what their day job was uh, to actually becoming an author and, and putting their wisdom down on paper. Well, sure. Well, my day job was a mom, uh, mom of four, and wife, daughter, sister, you know, all those things we are. And uh, because I chose to be home with my kids, um, because of their circumstances, I adopted the older two as a young sibling group of high needs uh, and chose them instead of my career. Uh, however, we had not made the income plan for that for me to stay home. So I started a uh, work-at-home business uh, almost immediately after we adopted them, now 14 years ago. And so I've just been working at home and doing my thing, mom, mom and wife, for all those years it evolved into another business and then evolved into a business I call the Barefoot Executive, which was connecting and mentoring other work-at-home business owners, whether they're part-time or full-time, men and women, as a matter of fact. And because of my exposure in social media and the exposure of the work that I'm doing, I was offered a book contract last year. So that's, that's where the book came from. It's teaching other people how they can start um, or grow their uh, part-time or full-time business from home. Well, I love the tagline of the book, The Ultimate Guide for Being Your Own Boss and Achieving Financial Freedom. And mm-hmm. as I was reading your, your intro to the book, Carrie, uh, and I, I also have an adopted son, uh, not a high needs, uh, but we adopted him from Russia nine years ago. And he was a, a toddler at the time, similar to your, your adopting toddlers. And and so my life changed pretty substantially uh, when we brought him home, and I, I already had a five-year-old at the time. So I, I have been the quintessential barefoot executive. I, you know, I, uh, I don't have shoes on now, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, so you know, I really, uh, it really resonated with me, and and I loved also seeing all of the folks who you had write the little blurb about the book and. Actually, the first one was Dave Ramsey, and mm-hmm. while I, I have not met Dave, I uh, have both been a student of Financial Peace University and a teacher, so uh, really appreciate his insights uh, on this. And then also I saw we share a couple of other uh, good friends, Bob Berg, Sally Hogshead, and Frank McKinney, mm-hmm. uh, all of whom I have interviewed uh, on uh, either this show or on, on my other show, Solutions Live. So it, it's fun to see that connection between us. That's great. It's a small world, getting smaller every day because of technology. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, um, Carrie, you know, it's very, very interesting how you uh, take a look at first at the myths that we hold on to. And, you know, so many of our members of the Executive Girlfriends Group 
are gainfully employed with either large corporations that that are publicly traded or you know perhaps the smaller uh, version of that of companies that are privately held and all the way down to entrepreneurial ventures and and um, any any number of early stage startups as well as we've got people who are consultants and those who uh, are what we call uh, on sabbatical or, or in-between successes, which is they really don't know where they want to go. And I think that your book speaks to all of those groups of people who sit back and even though they have achieved, achieved amazing success, they say, is this all there is? And so one of the, the um, uh, myths that you talk about is job security. So can you give us a, kind of a snapshot of how people should really look at where they are and, and the reality of where they're going? Yeah, absolutely. And and first let me also say that I love that we have so many women CEOs and CMOs and COOs, and, and I am not going to be that person that says every woman should be at home. I'm not that girl. For me, because of the special needs of my kids, to me it seemed like the only choice for them, they really did need more than full time at that moment. So that needed to be my shift. But I so applaud women that have figured out how to do this in other ways. However, we have so many myths that we have to counteract. The myth of job security, the myth of company stability, the myth that your company values you, and that's a sticky, tricky area. But the fact is, um, at the end of the day, the only person who is secure is the person that's the owner. Right, So I believe everybody needs to create something, at least a small something, it, whether it's to supplement, replace, or transition to, that they are the owner of. You know, I was giving a speech this past weekend, and I said, there are these statements that change your life. Um, and we all experience them. If you haven't yet, you will. These statements, congratulations, it's twins congratulations, Daddy, uh, you know, or the girl comes home and says, Daddy, I said yes. He asked and I said yes. Now we get to plan my fairy tale wedding. Or you get the, the, you know, the company has been bought. Our department has been deemed redundant. Aww. Or, you know, we have decided to downsize to or businesses. I mean, we, we hear those statements. And the fact is, if you are an owner of something even small on the side, something that's your domain, you have more of an income security, more of a control security, and you don't have to experience that panic or that dread or that that bondage, so to speak, to somebody else holding your happiness and your security in their hands. Right. So that's a, that's a really big myth. Uh, you know, I really like to say that the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and job security, they're all fun to believe in. They're nice stories. But at the end of the day, when we find out they're not true, we look around and say, why didn't somebody tell me sooner? Right. Right. And, you know, we've seen so much of that with the economy tanking. But, you know, I, I think that you point out uh, a really good uh, thing for people to consider, and, and that is that, you know, we have long been past the days of getting gold watches mm -hmm. and staying with one company, um, you know, for a very long time. And, you know, I know for me when I look at somebody's resume or, or I look at their LinkedIn profile, um, you know, and look at the, the gap between jobs or the amount of time people have spent, you know, you just don't see people who are spending 10 and 20 years with the same company anymore. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And, 
you know, I know that it has always been an alternative to own your own business, but there, you know, there just weren't as many options as there right. are now. Right. And, you know, it still can be scary to take that leap. I mean, if you've already been pushed out of your job and, and been made redundant, um, you know, it's perhaps a little bit easier because it's called survival. Right. But, you know, let's talk about the three big mistakes that people make when they actually decide to start their own business. Um, yeah, you, absolutely. You highlight three different mistakes uh, that are common. So why don't you talk to us about those? Um, sure. The it, you know, and I, I maybe even left out the most powerful life-changing statement many women listening to this have heard, and that is when he says he's leaving. And that has nothing to do with your job security. Your job may be the same, your income may be the same, but your lifestyle just radically changed. Um, right. You know, and it, you said it's sometimes easier to make that choice when you're in a desperate situation. I get a lot of people that say, I'm so tired of rags to riches stories or the desperation stories. Why can't normal people just do good things? Well, because we're not desperate enough, because we're not hungry enough, we're not needy enough. Uh, those of us that didn't have a choice are the ones that had to make it work, right? And so um, uh, the three mistakes in building the business, say you, you make the choice that you want to do this or you decide it's a good idea, three common mistakes, uh, and number one probably is chasing the money. And you say, well, Gary, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, I have to chase the money. I need to be profitable. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you look around and choose your business model based on the money. I can look and say, um, oh, there's a lot of money in XYZ opportunity. I'm going to get in on the ground floor of that. But yet I have no experience in that. I have no interest in that. I have no skill set in that. And I'm not going to have any backup or support in that. I'm setting myself up for failure. Right? I mean, let's look at real estate, for instance. A lot of people say, oh, there's lots of money in flipping houses. Well, that can't be a good immediate income stream for me if I'm not skilled in rehab or have good low-cost uh, low, uh, contractors, if I don't have money to even get in the house in the first place, if I don't have the education. It's just an uphill battle. So right. I think chasing just the money is a mistake. You do have to look for profitability, but I think what's most important is looking at your own skill set your own experience, your own space, whether you need a little corner you know, in your house or under the stairs or a corner of your kitchen table or maybe even just your smartphone, what space have you got to work with, what skills have you got to work with, and then um, who will you serve. You know, those are the three really important S's, in my opinion, uh, and that doesn't have to do with chasing anybody else's money. You can be crazy profitable, but you don't have to chase somebody else's ideal of money. And the other, another common mistake is chasing somebody else's dream. And what that means is just because it's an amazing opportunity for somebody else doesn't mean it's the opportunity for you. Uh, let's use Donald Trump as an example. You know, oh, ah, Donald Trump has this amazing life, and he's so successful, and, and that really works for him. So I've decided I'm going to be into real estate development and commercial development and, you know, venture investing. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Or maybe, you know, let's put it on another on another plane. It's And it is a little similar to chasing the money, except we're just chasing somebody else's ideal. Um, so let's say, for instance, put it in the home party perspective. We've all been uh, exposed to home parties, and we know people that are doing really great in that. But it's not an ideal opportunity for me if I'm not in love with the product, in love with the model, and if I'm not comfortable in the way that business is run. Right. Not everybody is social and wired for those 
kinds of opportunities. So you can't chase somebody else's dream either. And, and even as just a little departure from that, just because your mom's a great attorney and your aunt was an attorney and your grandfather was an attorney, doesn't mean that's the dream for you either, right? So right. lots of different ways that applies. And then the most common trap that we fall into once we make the decision is chasing too many rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing too many rabbits. Okay, I'm going to start a Scentsy candle business, and I'm going to start being a virtual assistant, and I'm going to do child care on the side, and then I'm going to see which of those works, which of those is most profitable, which of those sticks. Right? Well, Mary Kay Ash is the one who I heard say this first, but I know it's been attributed to a lot of people. You can't chase two rabbits at the same time and catch either one. Right. You really need to chase one rabbit. Uh, in order to solidify the hunt, so to speak. So um, I really feel like when you make a choice about your skills, your your space, and who you're going to serve, you need to really pour yourself into that, whether you have a full-time gig somewhere else or not, whether you're a CEO, CFO, full-time admin, whatever you're doing. And I know there's a ton of achievers on this call, but if you decide you're going to do that home party business, awesome, do it, really do it. Don't dabble into three or four different opportunities. Excuse me, three or four different opportunities. You can tell I get I get really fired up about this, right? Because this is the one I see the most. And they say, well, but because as entrepreneurs, we're usually so good at so many things or interested in so many things, we suffer from what I call opportunistic paranoia. We're afraid <laughs> we're going to miss the one opportunity that's going right. to change our life. When really yeah, we know, have the I, opportunity I, I read to a, change our life. a blog actually that Seth Godin had written a couple of years ago um, about a, uh, two neighbors who both you know kind of come out their front door at the same time and they both have a shovel in their hand and a bag of seeds and and uh, one of them gets in his truck and you know drives off and all day long he's pl- you know digging little holes and planting seeds all over town and uh, he comes back at the end of the day exhausted. And, you know, but feels like he's really accomplished a lot, right? You know, Mm because he's planted tons of seeds. Uh, Yet there really is nothing to show for it. And he looks across the street and he sees his neighbor sitting down under a a shade tree. And he doesn't actually remember that tree being there when he left in the morning. And, you know, as the story goes, the, uh, the neighbor had actually discarded the seeds and decided to just plant a really deep hole, go to Home Depot, get a tree plant it, and then he's been sitting and drinking iced tea all afternoon, right? And <laughs> when I heard that story, it hit me, you know, just as much as when you heard Mary Kay, um, you know, it, give the story about the rabbits, because it occurred to me that I had been planting seeds all over town mm-hmm. for a very long time, and that it was time to plant a tree. Well, and, yeah, and then, and we, see, we have this, as women especially, we have this self-righteousness about how busy we stay. It's this cloak we wear. It's this badge of honor yes. to be the busiest woman you know, right? If you want something done, ask a busy woman, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? It's, it's, we're tired. Yes. <laughs> we're tired of being so busy, and busy does not equal productive, and even productive does not equal profitable. Exactly. Exactly. So the next part of the book walks you into the methods that you need uh, to deploy to be successful. And once you have made the decision and hopefully avoided the three big mistakes, and, you know, obviously you started by, by breaking those myths in your own mind, whichever ones apply to you. So how do you get started? 
You know, the truth is, and I go into this a lot in the book, but the truth is it's, it doesn't start with in, investigating opportunities. It doesn't start with looking what's out there. It really starts with a lot of internal investigation. I have a lot of um, exercises in the book to kind of walk you through this, like what have I done, what am I good at, what have I accepted money for before. Some of those you may not want to write down, right? <laughs> um, you know, what, have I, <laughs> what am I willing to do? Um, you know, so it really talks about what's a natural fit for me, what do I have the capital to start right now? Now, I'm a little bit different than some of your entrepreneur expert, so-called experts. I'm not a big fan of the franchise model. I'm not a big fan of the brick-and-mortar store um, because what I believe is if we want to secure revenue fast and additional stream of income fast, we need to not go into debt to do it. I'm, I'm right. just Maybe because I'm a Ramsey fan, maybe because I've been in financial bondage before and it's not a fun place to be. Um, you know, I really feel like we need to start stuff on a shoestring when and if we possibly can. I know I have uh, compatriots that will argue with me till I'm blue in the face about all the other money available. That's fine. That's somebody else's model. That's not what I specialize in. I really like low overhead, low infrastructure. Let's just take what we're gifted with. You know, I, I used the example a couple of days ago. I said my, my braces were paid for by piano lessons that my mom gave. My prom dress was paid for by weddings and funerals that she played for. And my wedding was paid for by the fact that she was willing to take her sewing machine to the high school and alter all the band uniforms and all the choir dresses for about two years in a row. Um, you know, my mom is not a CEO by most people's standards, but yet she was a barefoot executive and she created those streams of income using her skills, using the space that was necessary, and figuring out who she could serve. So, uh, and she never had any overhead in the process, which is genius. Uh, women are re we're really good at that. So what has happened is we've been sucked into these models of thinking it has to be more complicated than it is. So the first thing you need to do is don't overthink it, don't overspend on it, don't overcomplicate it. Um, just look within and say, you know. And, and again, I'm going to use some really simple examples. Is is cooking one of my skills? You know, let's look at cleaning ladies. Let's look at people that have kept people's children for years. Let's look at tutors. Let's look at people helping other other people prep for SAT tests. One of my clients has a thriving six-figure business prepping kids for college admission. I mean, that's just genius, right? I, and, right? And little to no overhead and a very necessary skill. So there are things we can do that, um, th that we can start there. And then the book also talks a lot about how do you know if it's a valid market? Where do you find those people? And how do you connect with those people? And and, um, and all those kind of things. So I believe there are several steps, but I also believe that, especially with the service business, I talk a lot about the five core models of business. I believe that in the service business, um, many of us can literally create a service and within the week be profitable in that service. Right. Exactly. And, you know, one. Of, but I'll, I'll kind of give you the back story on that. One of the reasons why I'm working on my current uh, early stage company which is is uh, a business in the travel industry is that I have had a very very successful uh, consulting company for 15 years but uh, a few years ago um had some surgery and I you know was laying on my back for 3 months recovering and realizing that there was no way ever to retire from that business uh, even though I had taken great pains not to attach my name to the consulting firm because I wanted it to have a reputation of its own, that, uh, you know, if I were gone, it wouldn't continue. And there was no one who would come along and, you know, pay me a, a chunk of money to buy it from me. So I set out uh, in, in transitioning 
from a service and expertise-based business into uh, you know creating something that was actually could be flipped or sold later uh, because I realized that my personal goals and and I had had a, a fairly substantial business failure a few years ago that uh, you know I now had to worry about retirement in a different way than I had before and uh, even though it wasn't done to me it was something that uh, you know had evolved uh, right and that is an evolution but the people that are listening I I want everybody to know when you first start out please please don't get stuck in the thinking okay is this going to be sellable later I mean if it really is a matter of just starting and just getting to profitable and then seeing where it grows please take the freedom to do that I mean you're clearly two or three steps further ahead than a lot of the women listening. Uh, for some of them, that is a, that's a very valid thing, like Oprah. Okay, that my biggest beef with Oprah is that her whole daytime brand is not sellable. Right? The, <laughs> right. To- the talk show's done. We're done. We've now just moved to a new network. If she had branded that, the Every Woman Show or Every right. Woman's Opinion or something early on, she would be worth probably even five times what she is now. The reason she's worth a ton is because of endorsements and because of her other business right. ventures, et cetera. But the Oprah brand, the the talk show, the big influencer of women in the middle of the day, that prime real estate spot, is now kind of in vain. <laughs> because, exactly, exactly. And I'm yeah. so glad you mentioned that because, you know, that is something I have – held on to it for a long time when people tell me, Oh, well I'm gonna I've I've left my job and I'm now gonna go and consult and then, you know, it it ends up being, you know, chicky and company. And it's mm-hmm, like, no, mm-hmm. don't do it. Don't right. name it after yourself. Right. You know, there's only a couple of people that I know that have been able to get away with that. That would be like Mary Kay Cosmetics. Um, right. in which case it's not a service business, it's not a consulting company. It really is a product. Um, yeah, Bobby Brown was, probably falls in, in that right, category Right, right. And well. then also even Zig Ziglar with his training and consulting, and even then, you know, they made a really strategic decision about 15 years ago to do Ziglar Inc. and mm-hmm. to clone themselves into some corporate consulting things, et cetera. But, uh, you know, it's really a hard thing. I will, just full disclosure, the Barefoot Executive is my core brand, but I am backing into some Carrie Wilkerson-branded things, but that will primarily represent my speaking and personal training. It won't represent my my core products and all those kind of things. Exactly. So if you're a speaker, it is important for people to know your name, you know, but you're right. As a personal consultant, that's a hard thing. However, if you're just first starting, you know, the, the important thing is get it to cash. Don't sweat over your logo. Don't sweat over your, your business right. cards. Don't overly think if it's going to be sellable. But do evaluate that once you do start hitting profit margin. Those are things you can evolve into. Right, right. And, We're classic you know, overthinkers, you... right? We're classic <laughs> overthinkers. You know, if we never exactly. had a baby until we had it all figured out, the population would di- di- diminish. So we need to follow. We need to follow our our same processes as we follow in parenting into more of our life. I think where we where exactly. we're willing to say we'll figure it out as we go. You know, right. we'll do the best we can as we go, and then enjoy the process. If we just applied right. that to more things, I think we'd be better off. Right. So let's talk just a little bit. We've talked kind of about the service model, and and that really extends and is is very similar to the expertise model and the knowledge-based model. Um, But let's talk about goods-based companies and and when you actually do have a great idea. And I'm I'm a huge fan of of Shark Tank. We had Barbara Corcoran on a couple of weeks ago, uh, and, you know, I, I just sit glued to the TV every Friday night of people coming in and pitching their ideas. But, you know, it terrifies me when the sharks all just like completely rip 
uh, apart a a product, uh, you know, where they've got uh, they've tied up all their capital in building the model for that. So, talk to us a little bit about goods-based businesses. Well, and you know, that's funny. That's Barbara's favorite model. It's my least favorite model, and that probably does come from the background of I. Um, number one, I'm kind of a clutter person. So if I have tangible stuff, it's around. Um, and I try to streamline that as much as possible. <laughs> I'm also not that great of a detail person all the time. So I don't want to have to track inventory and recalls right. and returns and, and those kind of things. If I were to represent a product, it would probably be through a third party, through a representative company and dropship, etc. cetera. Um, However, uh, that being said, there are a lot of women especially that have these genius inventions and these genius ideas that are born out of necessity, born out of inconvenience, um, that they do a great job with. My advice to you on that is, number one, you need to be working with a coach or a mentor that specializes in that kind of business. Right. Number two, don't be afraid to share your idea with that person. Everybody's so afraid to share their idea because somebody's going to steal it. 99.9% of people are too lazy to do anything, and the other 0.1% don't have the funding to back up a prototype, right? right? So, right. so don't sweat that so much. Now, I'm not telling you to go tweet your idea or Facebook your idea or Google Plus it. Don't blog about it <laughs> until you have some protection in place. But you do need to be working with somebody who has gotten their product placed, gotten it manufactured, gotten it protected, et cetera. Um, you know, my issue with that is it's a hard thing to do quickly, and I really yes. am. <clears throat> I really do love the quick income streams that can come, you know, fairly easily. Um, however, they can be done, they can be done well, and they can make a huge difference. I mean, look at Spanx and look at the butler bag and, and all these just really genius things. Um, but and then at the same time, you don't need the Shark Tank to validate you. Right. You you can work with somebody, get your prototype done, and then you know this is my my new recommendation for a lot of people that think they need to be discovered, and it is watch the movie about Justin Bieber called Never Say Never. It's his documentary. It's kind of the story of his life. All you know, mm. what sixteen years of it. Um, but the fact is, he was not backed by Disney. He was not backed by Nickelodeon. He was not with a famous agent, and they told him he'd never make it because he wasn't coming up through a star maker machine like Disney or right. Nickelodeon. So he took matters into his own hands through the use of Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, of all things. He has created the Bieber Empire. And you can I will do definitely have to read that. You know, it's funny uh, that you talk about the, the different uh, products. Patty, uh, who's our executive producer, has been after me forever because every day my daughter wears a T-shirt to school. And it is apparently the fashion not to have the T-shirt just hanging down. So she takes a rubber band mm-hmm. and does a little knot on the back of her shirt. And Patty's yeah, like, we that. can make millions on that. Yeah, and, I, you know, I'm not a goods kind of person. I'm I'm uh, very much the intellectual property and knowledge-based uh, type of business or or the referral-based business, which is right. kind of the next one. And, you know, as we uh, kind of wind down the half hour, I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, so the other two that are in, in your model section of the book is referral-based uh, businesses, which is commission and affiliate marketing, and then mm-hmm. uh, actually having multiple streams of income. Yeah, exactly. Well, and in my book, there's a case study of a woman who is a mentor and coach to people that place products. She's been in Nordstrom's licensed by Disney. 
uh, Macy's, and that's her specialty. Uh, her case study is actually in the pages of my book. She's a client of mine. So I just her name is Jane. So for you guys that grab the book, just check out Jane's story and connect with her if you have one of those uh, million dollar ideas. Um, yeah, referral and affiliate based people. If you're in online marketing, people go, oh, affiliate marketers, they're scammers. All they do is refer other people's stuff. Well, let me ask you, what do realtors do? What do financial planners do? What do car salesmen do? I mean, they sell something somebody else provides, and they get a commission on it, right? And we hope they're well-researched. We hope they have integrity. We hope they're doing the right thing. That's referral-based commission. You could also put in there, um, you know, a lot of bloggers do this. This is a really uh, popular blogger monetization model, is recommending products and services of other people to the people that read your blog. And because of the endorsement, they're more likely to go get it, right? right? So that's a popular online model. Um, a, a referral based, I would also kind of lump direct sales and MLM in there with this. They kind of bleed from product over to referral based because, say for instance, Mary Kay, we talked about earlier. With Mary Kay, I'm not actually creating that product. I'm recommending right. that product. I'm representing that product, and I get a cut of it. So it's really kind of a beautiful model. It's a low risk model. It's a low investment model. It's a low responsibility model, <laughs> which appeals right. to a lot of us that don't want to have to overthink all the mechanics of business. If you want a turnkey solution, you know that can be a really good opportunity for you. But also financial products, real estate products, um, some medical products, etc. There's a lot of ways that you can um, that you can use uh, affiliate or referral-based commission in what you do. I like it not as a sole stream of income. I like it as an additional stream of income. To mm -hmm. me, it's a really nice layer, but I don't know that I would want to depend on it full-time, but that's me. That's, you know, I'm the, I'm the primary breadwinner here, four right. kids, one with, with high special needs. You know, I, so I really like a good, stable, solid uh, primary income, and then that one is a really nice secondary. That being said, I could probably account for um, high five to low six figures on referral income a year, typically, mm -hmm. is, is about what I've been doing the last three or four years. Well, great. So the last part of the book is all about the marketplace, and, yeah. and uh, we don't have time to dive into each one of them, but just for our listeners, uh, the chapters there are Who Wants What You Have, Ideas to Income, Where Will They Find You?, building your audience, and where will you find them? And it sounds like that's a call all unto itself, yeah, Carrie. And it is. And the fact is, if you, don't, if you don't take into account that last part, everybody thinks they know their market. But if you, if you spend so much time on the widget, if you spend so much time on the logo and the business cards and perfecting what you do, but you don't take into account the marketplace, I've got news for you. You don't have a business. Um, so you really, I mean, the, the book really is whole whole some of its parts. You can't just kind of come and go in and out of it. it. Those those chapters are really revealing about your business and really key. Well, great. Well, Carrie, this has just been amazing, and I, I, uh, I do have the book. I have to admit I've been traveling like crazy, so haven't had a chance to read uh, the whole book. But, uh, you know, I, I just I think about how I have, uh, you know, gone – long into my next new venture and it's actually time to step back just a little bit and make sure that I have thought through all of the things that you outline in your book so I so appreciate you taking the time uh, to share with us today 
And uh, as I mentioned, Patty will be providing uh, a copy of the recording uh, to you that you can mark it any way you would like. The Executive Girlfriends Group is a closed network membership group. And for those who are listening and would like more information, it's www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. And for our members, uh, we hope you will join us on on future calls. And uh, Carrie, again, it has been delightful to have you on and I hope we get a chance to meet someday. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for trusting me with your audience. Oh, well, thank you so much. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.